Welcome back, everyone, to the Sound Logic Podcast, where today we're discussing album number 45 on Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 greatest albums of all time. This is Sign of the Times by Prince. I'm nursing a little bit of a head cold tonight, so uh, Mike did not find a new co-host. This is actually Ben. I'm just probably sound a little different than I normally do. Um, this will be an interesting journey. I think we, we had mixed feelings the last time that we talked about Prince when, um, when Glenn Guyton joined us to talk about uh, Purple Rain. We both felt this uh, appreciation for Prince and yet, you know, maybe feeling like it wasn't necessarily our space. You may have gone even a little further than that, uh, possibly offending Glenn at one point. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think we'll have a fun yeah. time uh, navigating this one here today and uh, uh, we'll see what comes from it. When you love something in the way that Glenn really loves Purple Rain and yeah. his has played it and and even taught it to his yep, kids yep. and someone says someone says i don't prefer this i mean it's jarring <laughs> right. right think about any of the things you love and i and and i yeah. glenn if you're listening i do still feel a little bad about that i was trying to be honest but but it's hard when when some, someone says they don't like something yeah. you're passionate about um, i just don't care but, for getting ice cream after dinner you know? <laughs> what what is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I don't yeah. like chicken wings and fries. Exactly. <laughs> huh? Well, should we just dive right into it? I think it? so. Let's get some details. Okay. Yeah. Here's some details coming your way. Details. 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 Uh, Sign of the Times was released March 30th, 1987. This was Prince's ninth studio album. Um, I don't know what it says on the album or in a catalog, an official catalog. But a lot of times you'll see sign and it's sign, not of, but sign O the times like O apostrophe. But in a lot of them, it's sign peace sign. Yep. The time sign of the times. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, Prince with his symbolism and symbols. (laughs) Um, He wrote, he wrote this album. He was a primary songwriter uh, on all of the songs, the the solitary songwriter on most of them. He had a few people help. Some of the people from the revolution uh, co-wrote some of the songs or helped, and we'll talk a little bit about why as we move further in this details section. Uh, it charted well, number six in the U.S., number four in the U.K. So again, I always find it interesting when these American artists do better in the U.K. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I guess it all it, it depends on what else is out at the same time too. Um, sales uh, over over two million worldwide to date, uh, lower than some of the others we talked about, and especially when we talk about such such an acclaimed artist like Prince, um, I always find it interesting. We get some of these numbers. I mean, two million is obviously nothing to sneeze at, but a little lower than some of the others. Yeah. Well, I read an article this week that talked through why that might be. Um, they talked about that particular year, like um, 
Okay. Oh, okay. I, you know, I'm I'm gonna go yeah. to our our uh, sortable album spreadsheet. Um, that 19, <laughs> 1987, um, we get uh, GNR's iconic "Appetite for Destruction." We've got uh, U2's "The Joshua Tree." Michael Jackson has "Bad" that year. Uh, wow. We've got. Uh, uh, let's see what else is on this list. We've got George Michael's Faith. So there's <laughs> there's some very significant albums that come out during that time that um, I, and maybe saturate is the wrong word, but like it had it had a lot to compete with. Um, and as as we've talked about a couple of times, there's this benefit of a double album in that it gets tracked twice on some polls, but also you yeah. got to have a bit of extra cash in your pocket to purchase the double album. It's not the uh, the nine ninety nine. Twelve ninety nine on sale uh, uh, single album. You've got to probably pony up closer to twenty bucks for the double LP. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's absolutely true. And and I think that's a we've talked about that. And there are some years or groups of years that are just really heavy with music. We talked about you know yeah nineteen sixty seven. Well, really. 67 to 71 72 right. just tons of music Packed. but but some years and yeah that's a good point you bring up the year that's just from our rolling stone list yes I mean, yeah exactly other, uh you know and and the other you know the other bands who put out albums rem def leopard the smiths that appear on this list and many others so yeah i think i think that that might be pointing to something as well um for Prince, this was the first album he released after disbanding his band, The Revolution. So this was kind of him on his own again, or solo, uh, true solo work. Whereas the other albums were Prince and The Revolution. This is just Prince. And um, although they have their influence here, so <laughs> this album had been kind of a long time in the working Um uh, in 1982, Prince and the Revolution worked on. They recorded some tracks for something they were going to call Dream Factory, which which would have been, I think they were, it was going to be a big project. Yeah. Okay, but they kind of they never finished it, and then after touring in 1986, Prince was was frustrated with the band, a bunch of different things. He decided to to disband to end the revolution. Yeah. And then so he, with maybe some of this material and other material, he planned a triple album that he was going to call Crystal Ball. And the <laughs> the record execs convinced him that he wasn't doing a triple album. They scaled it back to a double album. And that's where we get, uh, that's where we get this side of the times. And also he was working uh, as a solo artist in 1986 to release a self-titled solo album under another name under an alter alter ego named camille yep and this this would be uh you know no information it wouldn't be linked to prince at all this was like a more female persona and they it got canceled like two weeks before it was going to be released uh and i'm not sure of all this or i didn't do too much research but i found it very interesting so some of some of the songs or some of the work from that also appears so you kind of have three right. different projects kind of started and not finished that all accumulate to make this sign of the times album from a from a pretty broad uh time frame too like yeah 
Oh yeah. With, uh, with the earlier stuff coming in, um, you know, as early as 1982, uh, you know, the, the 1986 recording and, uh, and then this album coming out in 87, um, you know, we know we, I think we talked about it when we, when we talked through Purple Rain, we know Prince was prolific, but, um, yes. you can understand very quickly why it, in his head, it needed to be a triple album. If he's drawing on all these sources, um, it also makes me wonder if there was ever any hard feelings from the revolution, you know, to have poured themselves into a project and then, you know, part ways and then realize that, that a lot of the stuff that you've worked on is now, <laughs> are now Prince solo tracks on yeah. this new, on this new thing. Um, I, yeah, it makes me think about when we talked about Alicia Keys and, uh, you know, a, a few, a few other times where there's been some dispute about, um, you know, who, who should the credit go to with these, with these albums? Um, I guess when we talked with Dustin, uh, we, we, we talked a little bit through that as well. Um, the talking heads, talking heads. Yeah. Before we move on from that Camille, uh, reference, um, I'm really fascinated by that aspect of this album. Um, Mm. for those who don't know his intention with the Camille, uh, alter ego was in the studio to, uh, electronically kind of pitch everything up. So he would, he would sing a song and then, you know, tweak it so that his voice was a little bit higher pitched, uh, pitch everything up. And, and you can kind of hear that as you go through this album, um, where he's got more of a falsetto, there's a good chance that that's a Camille track, uh, not <laughs> yeah. not him singing higher, but you know, mechanically altered to be able yeah. to almost have a bit more of an effeminate uh, uh, sound to his voice. It's really fascinating, and that that's just sort of blended in, despite it being an alter ego. It's also just a really, really interesting part of this whole this whole project. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I I can't think of anything specifically, but there have been bands who have put together an album that you find out later that, well, this was kind of pieced together with a bunch of unfinished stuff. And in that retrospect, you can go, yeah, I can kind of see, you know, it, it seems disjointed. It seems a little just uh, not cohesive as an album. I don't feel that way with this album. I mean, it's long um, and there's a lot of different things happening. It's certainly diverse, but I don't feel that it's it's not cohesive. So he's found a way to take all this material from different eras. You said, yeah, it's spent, like they started working on it in 82. That was before Purple Rain. Yeah. And they released another two or three albums, Prince and the Revolution, between 84 and 87. I think they did at least two more. It might even be three between Purple Rain and this. So, I mean, that was like in terms of what they'd done a long time before. And I was talking to my wife, Nora, this evening, and she she reminded me that many people have who knew Prince well, who worked with him, said he was the kind of guy who just every day would wake up early and go to bed late writing music. Like he was just, you said prolific, absolutely prolific and an yeah. unrelenting pace. They said there, there must be hundreds and hundreds of, of unreleased songs and other unfinished tracks because he just yeah. was nonstop creating music. Um, and it makes, uh, I don't know if we'll talk about you mentioned earlier, I think before we started recording, Ben, was there, did we live in a void? Did we grow up in a void where Prince, uh, didn't really 
matter for us <laughs> because everyone else seems yeah. to just just love him and be familiar and i'm reading about all this stuff that he's done even during our formative years and after as yeah. we got older he was still producing stuff that we weren't attuned to at all um well i know so anecdotally like like my friends who are from um the twin cities in minnesota um, because of all he gave back to the community there's a reverence for him in in that right. part of the Midwest, just for like his um, his capacity to give, uh, he was pretty selfless with a lot of his wealth that he acquired. Hmm. And I think when you when you appreciate someone for what they've given back, I think that gets you into their music a bit more. And so, for certain pockets of, especially the United States, I think. Um, it wasn't just about a sound that he was creating, but um, falling in love with this person who not only was flamboyant and this artist, but but deeply generous too. Um, you know, there's there's so many examples of celebrities who who uh, uh, drink, smoke, and sleep their money away, right? Who yeah, who essentially just like live live the rock and roll lifestyle with their, their wealth. And I, it sounds like, well, Prince knew how to party. Um, <laughs> he also made sure that he took care of his community. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm glad we can come back to it. There's certainly no shortage of Prince music. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm just going through, going through the true. albums as I'm flipping through Wikipedia yeah. and trying to learn about this album going, holy moly. <laughs> so like much. Tons and tons and tons. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on then to the album cover artwork. This it's photograph. Um, it's to me, it's very busy. I'm not exactly yeah. sure what's going on. There's a lot of things happening. Again, look it up. Um, it's another one of these um, uh, album covers that they the cover, like the photo, doesn't say prints or sign of the times anywhere right i can see it's just a picture and prince is in the bottom right hand corner in the foreground only half of his face and he's not in focus <laughs> out of focus yeah he's out of focus so you can tell he's there and it's him but he's out of focus we're looking at um like a drum a drum riser uh, but the bottom of it's like the grill of an old, a classic car. Prince's guitar is on the ground. There's, there's signs like marquee signs that you would see maybe down a main street of a of a city, with the big light bulbs around. And there's, I don't know if we're looking at a concert scene. I think it's flowers. There's lights. It's there's a lot of things happening, and I'm not really uh -huh. sure exactly. I I didn't find a whole lot of info on it, but. Um, it's showing us a, a, a drum. Mostly, the most prominent is a drum kit um, on the drum riser. So you get, you know, you get kind of Americana. You get the rock and roll thing. 
you got the guitar, you got prints. Uh, there's kind of smoke and lights. Um, I, what's your take <laughs> on it, Ben? <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, it's another odd one. Um, you don't immediately think about Prince as being uh, a drummer, although I know he plays pretty much everything. Probably everything. But that's yeah. the thing that my eyes originally uh, like go to, right? It's the prominently placed it's the drum kit. Drum kit. Um, you do got one of his funky guitars there on the ground in front of it. Um, this is apparently decorated with a whole bunch of just random crap that he brought in from his house. Like these are all his, <laughs> this is his, his little stuff, eh? okay. stuff. And um, <laughs> mm. he, he spent an afternoon kind of like walking through it in different po- poses and postures and places and okay. kind of got bored with the whole thing. And uh, apparently, so the story goes, is he, there was an apple crate uh, that they were using to hold something up not very far in front of the camera. And he went and sat down just kind of tired. And uh, the, the photographer clicked one more frame and he like looked up and was like, you just took that picture, didn't you? And he said, yeah. He said, I, I bet that's going to be the cover. <laughs> so like they spent all day like kind of tinkering with like where should he stand and where should he be and like should he have this here and it was sort of in the moment of like ah, i don't know what we're doing here that's the look on his face of oh, just wow. like i i'm not sure um staring off into the distance slightly out of focus that they decided to just like uh to use um that's the one <laughs> so sign of the times like yeah i don't know if that's something to do with like the the 80s era of, um, you know, not necessarily being satisfied in the midst of the, the excess, the, uh, the, the wild mm. wealth and uh, the, the cocaine explosion and uh, you know, all the things that we now look back on the 80s about. Um, and, and there's the star just kind of like not sure what to make of it all. Um, it's, it, I kind of like it, you know, knowing some of that backstory and uh, mm-hmm. and placing it in its time, um, but not, you know, all the way up to finding that article and reading that story. I I felt a little bit like um, what's another another one like this, like uh, oh, the Wu Tang Clan, where they're all kind of like wearing masks and out of focus. You think like who who approved this? Like yeah. there had to be a better <laughs> shot from that photo shoot, and, and I'm sure there were much more. Like kind of classically iconic looking pictures from this photo shoot, but that's the one you go with. Like, okay, um, really, really interesting. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's a point in your artistic uh, career when you, you feel like you can just be a little bit more innovative and outside the box. Um, I think there's a confidence, and you talked about uh, what, the, what the kids would say now, flexing with the, yeah. the Wu Tang. It's like it's their debut album. They're like, yeah, yeah, we don't need to be. <laughs> we're that good we don't need to show our yeah. faces kind of thing yeah. this i don't think i don't read that into this but i think prince was certainly that person who could have i mean he could have done anything on the cover yeah people who wanted it still would have just gone nuts for it yeah. um uh, i i want to segue a little bit into into kind of the music because as one of the prominent images on this cover is an acoustic drum kit the vast majority of the album is is a drum machine and that is a yeah. big part of the sound and what prince was 
experimenting with and using, and there's yeah. there's a a ridiculous amount of, of diverse sounds, drum yep. sounds that are that are that are synthesized, that are that are electronically produced on the drum machine, um, and that is such a huge part of, of the sound on this album. He he mentions the drums in at least one song. He talks about the drums in Housequake. Um, or the, the bass drum, the kick. He might do it in another track as well. So I find it either poignant or ironic that that drum kit is right in the middle, yet the drum, the acoustic drums are not featured on this album. It's, it's yeah. the drum machine that is very heavily. That's something I noticed right away. Um, I guess we can kind of move into that. This was, of course, as we talked, this was brand new. I, I couldn't say with confidence that I was familiar with any of the songs. A couple of them maybe, but I'm not even that sure. But I could, I I'm not, I'm not. I've historically never been a big fan of kind of that synthesized drum sound, um, okay. very echoey, splashy. I try to move, move away from it when I hear it. Like you know, okay, don't let this distract from some really really good music here. Like you know, it's just what they chose for for the percussion sound here but you can't escape it on this album it's just everywhere and not just the snare like all of it there's tons and and it's i mean it's impressive uh (laughs) there's a lot but that was one of the first things that grabbed me right away was just this like massive amount of of innovation in that technology yeah yeah i'm trying to skip skip around the album I'm, I wish I had made a note of this there's an, a track where the snare drum is actually like a, a, it's a it's a short length of time but it sounds like a snare roll but it's short okay. to be the, the snare shot and yeah. it's so bizarre to like know what that is that it's like a section of a roll cut and clipped and made into a snare shot that like oh man it is a yeah there's there's something about the creativity of that that drum machine that both immediately dates it and also makes it feel um, like he, you know he was really tinkering here and yeah yeah really having fun with it one of my favorite songs um, or one that I felt more comfortable with I guess is is uh, called slow love um, and he does this crazy kind of falsetto thing. I don't think his voice is pitched up in that one, um, but he's showing off his beautiful range. Uh, yeah. That's one where I think there is an acoustic kit. It's almost a more of a soul, an old yep. soul song, really. Sway. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's got that more of an acoustic sound, and maybe that's why I felt more <laughs> comfortable with it than some of the other stuff. But that was the one. I don't know. I didn't list how many, but that might be the only one or one of the only ones that has a more acoustic drum sound, but the rest is yeah. is uh, electronic. Uh, take a moment to remember back with me to the Disney afternoon cartoons that included... DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, oh Darkwing Duck, uh, Tailspin, you know, those those classic cartoons from our childhood. If I'm not mistaken, most of the music <laughs> on those was trying to emulate a Prince sound from the late uh, 80s. You, are, like, you know what? I'd never thought of that, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> 100%. Any of the like, montage where oh, the character yeah. has to dig deep and rise to the top, there'd be this like 
kind of cliche Prince knockoff. And I, yep. I wonder if that's what happens in our brains when we're listening to this. Like when it's a drum machine, a kind of like intense beat and in Prince's kind of falsetto, it's like, oh, this is, this sounds like kids music or this sounds like cartoon music or this is like what happened in Saved by the Bell when they really wanted to convey that everyone was at a party, you know? <laughs> and, uh, like, again, that it was so big in a certain era that, yeah. like, you know, this came out in the late 80s. By the 90s, when we were watching cartoons, it's permeated it was like, everything. It, it was the sort of, like, default sound when you wanted to indicate something was, like, kind of cool for kids. Um, and, like, I, I listened to Housequake which is such a uh, interesting song and like that That's whole that whole sound and vibe is like say by the bell like right? yeah, yeah like yeah. All, all that all that stuff like absolutely that i was listening to it going oh this sounds so hokey and cliche and then i went hey wait a sec that's my childhood like that's yeah. everything <laughs> we listened to like maybe that's why I think it's cliche because when yeah. that was really prominent, like I said, permeated into everything: commercials, yep. TV shows, you know, anything, you know, uh, educational videos. It was in everything. That was the early '90s, and maybe yep. we look back at the time when you're kind of 10 to 13, and everything then was lame. So maybe that's yep. why I think this is hokey and lame because that it kind of hit us at that time. Yeah. Um, even though when it came out and the people making music listen to this, like it was innovative and exciting and fun. I played, um, you brought up Housequake, uh, which yeah. when I listened to the album the first few times, I could barely get through that track. I thought this is just, <laughs> I, I can't listen to this. Like this is just I think everything it's the first bugs it's me. It's the first Camille track. Um, well, so his at, voice is pitched up. Yes, and hearing him because he speaks at the beginning, I thought that yeah. sounds weird. But yeah. it, you're right; he has pitched it, so that must be a Camille uh, c track from Camille. But yeah. I played it for you know my wife the other week, and I said, "She said, what do you listen to?'" I said, "Well, I got to listen to this Prince album, and it, it's been really tough for me." <laughs> yeah. I was like, "I'm going to play you this track. I think this is my least favorite on the album." But tell me what you think. So I played it. She goes, oh, this is fun. I like this. And I was like, what? What do you mean? She's like, it's fun. It's funky. It's fun sounds. He's talking. It's, listen to all that stuff. I was like, really? Man, and I, I tried again. I tried again. The other thing in that song and other things is uh, the orchestra hits. Yeah. Which was like, I like that is got to be such a... A very small period where like everybody used that and the first thing that comes to mind is um, yes is owner of a lonely heart off of uh, 90125 and I don't know what year that came out I want to say like 82 <laughs> so like this is a few well now I gotta look it up is that the song that goes like bah, 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 bah. there's like this like yep. uh, transition where they use that oh that yeah synthesizer effect yeah, that was... Oh, I'm so glad you named it because I was trying to figure out like what song am I drawn back to when I hear that. Oh. Yeah, that that came out in 83 and Yes was a... Just really quickly. Yes was a prog rock band yeah. that started in the late uh, 60s 
had lots of prominence into the into the 70s and then kind of fell off for a bit and then came back in a huge way with that album and owner of a lonely heart and i think one of the things that really made them come back was this utilization of new technology and exploring with it and this orchestra hit which again when i hear an orchestra hit if you don't know what an orchestra hit is it's like it's like you push you push one note on the keyboard but you get a whole chord (laughs) but it's not chord it's kind of a a, like a like a bunch like a bunch of octaves but it's all kind of a synthesized string sound so you get like this of the like that as if you know uh 12 violins are all playing at once um just for a second right so in owner of a lonely heart they use a bunch in housequake and some of the other songs this album he uses it like just a, a little more strategically i think um and it's it's a i mean for the time it's a good touch it's again it's hard for me to listen to it because i listen to that and i think all oh, that is so cheesy that is so 80s it's just hokey but that's not what it was at the time um yeah and and when i'm listening to housequake i'm going these are all the things that agitate me in music <laughs> all wrapped up in one song but that's if pretty. i strip it away because my wife said is it just the instrumentation that bugs you I said, well, that's part of it. I don't like the way he uses his voice. But if I say that, I have to say I don't like any of Prince because the way he uses his voice is like a huge part of his artistry. Yeah. And and it's it's such a unique instrument for him. Um, so I think I'm warming up to it, but that was the most challenging track for me on the album to really listen to all the parts of it and appreciate it. Um, and it's definitely unique. It's very unique. It's very unique, and I think the the thing that I have been realizing as I listen to this more and more is not just the Disney afternoon influence, but also that like even something that I would never have drawn a line between, like um, Kendrick Lamar's uh, King Kunta, where it's he's okay. like he's got this kind of like almost cartoon like voice at sections. Um, and there's like the the high pitched uh, call and response with the like chorus in the background too. Um, uh, I think about Bruno Mars when I listen to this. Oh, okay. I think about like a lot of um, wow music that's trying to draw on big sound and and sort of funk. And I think like oh they're they're really just riffing on this but like maybe cleaning it up making its instrumentation a little bit better um so it's yeah i i feel like (laughs) this kind of affirms what we said earlier like i where were we when this was going on but also um like this sound seeps through culture so much that um it still made its way to us even though we weren't really in the sweet spot of prince like it it's clear that it like it found its way, um, which I think is what uh, kind of what makes it great. It, um, you know, like you said in the in the intro, it didn't sell exceptionally well. But I think this is an art. This is an album that has been lifted up after the fact as something that like made a big difference. Yes. Um, and and I think a lot of it is that it's like willingness to be outside the box to you know, do weird stuff with the snare drum and to do weird stuff with the synthesizer and 
change your vocals, like, you know, manipulate it and, uh, somehow make it like danceable too. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm still not sure if I like it or if <laughs> I just am impressed by it. Um, hmm. Yeah, that that's yeah. Th- I think that's the place I'm at where I was like, I can see that this is this is was well written, is good music. I can see how ridiculously talented Prince is. I can yeah. see why people would have liked this and critics would have liked this. Um, yeah. I'm still just struggling with it personally. From where I've come from and grown up in music, it's just v- really outside of of so much of what I'm comfortable with, and that that yeah. was a big challenge. Um, you you talked about sales and how this has been viewed over time, and uh, what I read is that critics will basically, or Prince fans will argue that it's between this and purple rain as his best. And many will say that this is better um, yeah. than purple rain, which was a huge success more successful than this, I think commercially. Um, yeah. But they say that this is, was kind of maybe his best album. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's good. And then when you do a double album too, it's like, I mean, it's risky. Yeah. Cause you can have a double album and you've invested in that and it just can, just be too much music and just suck but but no there's a lot going on um i think it is too much music i mean i think this is (laughs) (laughs) it's it's long Uh, i found i was listening to it and and i'm into track 12 and 13 going wow we're still going here yeah (laughs) yeah and and because there are many sounds that repeat like the songs are all very clearly different but um you know, it, it sounds like it's time. Um, and, and that sound goes over and over again throughout, throughout the album. So like, uh, you've got the look just is so cliche eighties and, and, and a few others too. It just feels that way. Um, I, I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about the sound frequently. You and I have admitted before, we're not necessarily lyric people, but, uh, if I was your girlfriend, strange relationship, I could never take the place of you. These songs are all talking about this weird uh, kind of duality here of an artist playing with gender um, and also in a cisgender way, recognizing and being aware of the relationships that his significant other has with her best friend are different than the way that she reacts and responds to him Um, there's like an evolution of his relationship in um, I think it's a strange relationship uh, of like his relationship with his then uh, uh, partner uh, throughout the song I, I think there's a lot of stuff here too where he is not only experimenting with sound but experimenting with what is traditionally been permissible in pop music for a male artist to be to be talking through yeah Um, oh absolutely and that i think needs to be lifted up as well to say like that's that's pretty bold in in the 1980s i mean even this like side project of camille to and to not just discard that when it when it gets pulled but to like draw from it and put it on this iconic double album pretty wild yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely i mean he was pushing the envelope for sure yeah i'm glad you brought that up about 
the lyrics and those issues because I, that's one thing I just didn't have time to do and I'd like to do more is really delve into the lyrics because there's a lot of issues. He talks about drugs, talks about um, relationships, sexuality, lots of different things. There, there is lyrically, there's a ton going on in this album, like a lot, and it's yeah. it's very interesting. Um, very interesting. I think that Prince could probably speak to a lot of of the issues that he spoke of personally, you know, in that position of fame and, and excess. Yeah. He could, he could uh, relate to some of the stories he was telling, even though most would be fictional, but I'm sure many were drawing from personal experiences as well. What did you think about um, the intro to If I Was Your Girlfriend? Look at the bag you saw here, ladies. There's been some folks who've speculated that it is a nod to the Beatles uh, revolution number nine, just sort of like drawing in a bunch of weird household sounds to kick the song off. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting how it starts, like with a symphonic orchestra and then like someone shouting uh, moves into a pipe organ. And, pipe organ um, is the is the bra is the. Like when when the bride and groom leave leave the uh, the church, right? right? Um, right. Uh, well, there, there's an or- yeah. The orchestra almost reminds me of if you talk about Beatles, like the end of uh, Day in the Life. Of yeah, big orchestra yeah. swell. Um, I don't know. I Just mean, there's no doubt a little that sprinkle he, of something in there that's yeah. not necessarily what, what you would do if a <laughs> traditional person was at the controls, like saying. This is what you do here to start. This is what you do. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Um, I I hadn't uh, drawn that parallel, but I could see it. <laughs> I could see it. Um, you know, Ben, we've talked about a lot of a lot of tunes. I kind of yeah. said, you know, some of the ones that jumped out to me was was there one that was kind of your favorite or that really jumped out to you out of all this? I mean, it was so many different things happening, uh, or was it kind yeah. of just all just kind of jumbled in to one? I, I mean, I think what I will take away from this album is the amount of times that I was surprised, um, not just with his innovation, mm. but the way he draws back to like um, on I Could Never Take the Place of You, there are hand claps as percussion, like a very kind of like 60s surf rock yes. choice, right? Yes. <laughs> um, it's really interesting that he's looking back and forward at the same time. Um, the, the favorite track for me is it's maybe the most stripped down and simple song. It's only... It's only two and a half minutes long. It's uh, Starfish right. and Coffee. Uh, I, I really like that one. I, uh, I could put it on a, a mix CD if I still made those things and, uh, and enjoy it whenever it came around <laughs> again. Um, I don't know. There's like, uh, I've been getting a little bit into the Zombies, Odyssey, and Oracle album, partially because of uh, the TV show Shit's Creek that was filmed in our home area. Um, and they use a lot of like um, uh, Fender Rhodes uh, sounds okay. throughout that album, and that's Starfish and Coffee kind of has that too. That like kind of vintage, uh, you know, bizarre again. That like an album that has so many um, odd uh, synthesizer sounds would go back to a kind of like fairly traditional yep, piano Fender Fender Rhodes piano sound. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Is that the one that has the the backwards guitar solo at the end? Ah, uh, is that the 
Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, that counts. I was like, oh, and here's a backwards guitar solo. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's great. I mean, but yep. that's another thing about Prince. I mean, uh, you, you don't always talk about it. And, and he's, it's so funny because I didn't know until recently. And I think a lot of people are in this boat. What a like ridiculously amazing guitar player Prince was. Yeah. People who you know, many people have known for years, but it's not like every song has a guitar solo. You'll listen to the album, and there's like one or two yeah. guitar solos in the whole album. And then you watch him on stage. If you've ever seen some of the live stuff where he absolutely shreds, right? Um, right. Check out if you haven't. Check out. Uh, when um, George Harrison was posthumously inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they do a celebrity ensemble does While My Guitar Gently Weeps uh, and Prince is there in a red suit and red bowler hat (laughs) um, and does a solo at the end and it's like face melting crazy And, and, and people were saying that for years like was that I mean, people said this, you know, Eric, was it Eric Clapton? Was it feel like to be the best, greatest guitarist in the history of the earth? He's, I don't know, ask Prince. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. A guy might be getting my names fixed up, but somebody has said that, that he is like one of the best. And and I hear that backwards guitar solo and and I'm thinking of not only what a great guitarist Prince is, but what he's pulling from, like, that's a Jimmy thing. To do like a backwards, play a guitar solo, play it through backwards. Yep. Um, well, the yep. Beatles were doing it too, but, but um, yeah, no, it's uh, uh, man, so so much happening. But that was that was something that grabbed my ear. I was yeah. Uh, there's a maple syrup reference in that um, in <laughs> yeah. that song, and, and, I, and although the lyrics are the lyrics are weird, I was like, oh, uh, uh, this Canadian boy can relate to that. But coming from you said Minnesota, right? That's where he's from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that's like further north than we are <laughs> in, right, in right. southern Ontario. So that's very much uh, probably a, a, a local thing to have Maple some, some yep. as my grandpa said, some purple circle. So um, yep. what about you? Is there is there a track that stands out for you on well, this uh, double album uh, of wildness? And there's a lot of like I mentioned, I slow love is is. I don't know. It's a really special song. It's a neat song. Um, it fixes the snare drum problem for you. Yeah. Uh, I was compelled. I don't know if I love it. I was compelled by the cross. Um, and that is, although it's a slower tempo, is like so rocky, like heavy rock yeah. and roll. Like a rock. It's a rock ballad. Yep. With that... Um, you know, acoustic guitar being, and then that heavy snare. God, God, you know, just like, yeah. so, like it reminds me of like a Bon Jovi or, or slower, you know, Guns N' Roses ballad from that yep. era. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, that very simple acoustic intro a la, you know, a Bruce Springsteen or a U2. Yeah. And then to just <laughs> this heavy rock ballad. Um, yeah. I think, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it struck me because, again, you've got all this funky, crazy, synthesized, wacky stuff happening in the album. And then you'll get something like Slow Love, which is like a 
a slow jam, you know, an R&B slow jam, and then you get the cross, which is like a heavy acoustic rock ballad. Um, yeah. Amidst all this other just wacky stuff and the play in the sunshine, you know, which has that kind of just bouncy, happy-go-lucky, almost a David Bowie kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. Just the cross just really stood out as something very, very different on the album. I don't know if I could pick a favorite because there's some that I like, um, some that I'm not sure of, some that I absolutely despised on the first listen. Um, uh-huh. But um, yeah, it's it's I, it's one that I would do want to try again because, and one of the reasons I want to try the album a few more times is because this people can't there can't be so many people love an artist or an album and it be all bad right like if this many people love it if this many people love it there's got to be like some really great stuff that i'm just not connecting with um oh one of the other things um and this song was like a like a little dark but um uh just in terms of innovation and grabbing a a ballad of dorothy parker starts with this these long synth tones that that are being bent the the pitch is being bent but in a way as if like you you know you've got a tape deck and and it's not like the speed isn't consistent <laughs> like yep. you know yep. your car like did you ever have a car ben or did your parents have a car where um if something wasn't working right that the tape deck would kind of go along with the alternator or the or the revs <laughs> of the did you ever have that I know I, I definitely had someone... remember that when an alternator failed on right? my uh, high school car. Um, yeah, stuff starts slowing down. And yeah, yeah. Uh, not on the Cutlass Classic. Oh yeah. Oh man. I think we lost an alternator <laughs> on the way to Tulsenburg one time. I yeah. saw one the other day, and I was like, "Oh, look, that's like Ben's car." My wife's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Like, ben had one of those automobiles in high schools. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm so excited. She's like, okay. Grandpa, oh, it was a great car. I loved that car. I loved riding that car with you. It was great. Um, well, I'll, I'll add the cross, and um, uh, we'll just say for now, we'll, uh, we'll have those two songs. I think um, I'm having some flashbacks to when we talked about David Bowie, and us both sort of admitting that, like, first listen is not enough. Like, this artist deserves yeah. some more intentional time with with what's going on here because there's probably more buried down deep in here that <laughs> um, yeah but we i don't think bowie rubbed us the wrong way musically quite as uh no but, it, but there was so there was here. so much happening musically and lyrically and i feel the same way yeah. here there's so much happening that although that i had a knee jerk to it um there's so many layers that i want to keep peeling them back um so that oh those were our favorite tracks. That was we picked our tracks there. Okay. So <laughs> okay, so we've talked about a lot of the music, you know, how great Prince was even though we struggle with or personally I struggle with some of it. And how different it was and how much of an influence it had certainly in, you know, pop culture in the late 80s early 90s. What about today, Ben? Um is this relevant to today's music? It's so well, different than what we have. What do you think? It's different in some ways, but like I think you said off off mic, you played this for your family and they were all kind of digging it. Um, it's, you know, maybe that's part of the 
the 80s renaissance like there's a lot of bands that are trying to sound like they're from the 80s right now um and you know you see college kids wearing high-waisted mom jeans and stuff like uh something is something is happening where we are romanticizing this decade this era so right. i don't know perhaps this is even more relevant than it was 10 years ago <laughs> in the midst of this of this 80s uh, weirdness it sounds both dated and like somehow if a if a person released this tomorrow you'd give them a lot of credit for really <laughs> capturing the 80s sound yeah. so uh <laughs> i don't know how those things can both be true but uh yeah i think it is still relevant um certainly from an innovation standpoint yeah i i would agree with you and as much as Certainly at first listen, I wasn't comfortable saying this. I have to admit it. Um, 80s sounds in pop music are becoming more and more common. Whatever you think 80s sounds are, but some of those cliche 80s sounds we talked about, you're hearing it more and more. Um, and it wouldn't shock me at all to hear that artists releasing music right now are listening to this album as inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just as we were talking, I remembered that in the last month, uh, John Mayer released a new song and i think that i think he has a new album coming out okay uh and if you listen to that track i mean it's more rocky obviously but it is like if you put it in front of me and said this came out in 88 i would have said yeah of course it did like it is all 80s it's 80s rock 100 percent. the drums the guitar the structure of the song everything is 80s um so is this relevant right now heck yes it is um because that's the sound that's permeated we've heard it in the last i think decade even a lot but it's just coming out more and more that it's people are really leaning into it um and it's kind of that thing where people were doing rock in the 90s and pulling from rock from the 60s and we were going oh i like this and our parents were going Oh, well, that sounds what just like going on. Yeah, that sounds just like this. So that sounds just like yeah. they they would hear you know you hear um, Oasis and go well that sounds like the Beatles you know back in here, uh, and that was long before you were born. You know now it's right. like well the kids today <laughs> are listening to stuff and we're going well that sounds just like you know this '80s track and that was again yep. 20 years before they were born. So I think it's right. all it all happens right. Um, yeah, was it just uh, recently where we saw the meme of, uh, you know, Smashing Pumpkins 1979, um, you know, if they wrote a song today, it would be about 2004, like it's that close to uh, right. Uh, yeah, that and that, that kind of, that hurts a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're right. I think uh, Coldplay just released a signal that, that is clearly uh, 80s inspired, dancey kind of Oh, yeah. Well. And, yes, that's the other one. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So What's even it called? our favorite higher uh, power. Higher power. Yeah. Uh, yes. Even our favorite and I was like, 90s man. And 2000s artists are, oh, yeah. Uh, going back to the 80s. Yeah. But if in the 90s it was 60s stuff, and think about in the in the 2000s and yeah, late 2000s or the 2010s, the disco sound, and even still today, yeah. the disco sound. So that's the 70s. And now we're another decade and we've got the 80s sound. So you hear it coming through. Yep on each time right so yep. yeah relevant yep. uh relevant for me I, I i think there's some challenges with the sound in terms of relevancy but uh, a lot of it in a big way uh and make sure you yeah. listen to that um 
John Mayer track, Last Train Home, because if that doesn't make you think of 80s rock, I don't know what will. <laughs> um, it's wild. Um, and the last segment here, bud, uh, the position. So this is number 45. 45 best album of all times. It wasn't as successful as other albums. It's not even as familiar to some people yet. Yeah. It's critically acclaimed as one yeah. of the best albums and possibly Prince's best album. What do you think about this position? Um, I, you know, we're deep enough into this list that we're starting to compare it to the other albums by artists on the same list. And, and I think it makes sense in this case, at least to have this album here and purple rain above it. Um, I think because of the, the amount of tracks on purple rain that do have some, some lasting power and some radio hit sort of power. Um, I'm not surprised that they're on in this order. I think that there will be, um, albums from this block of 10 that I would think like, why from this next block of 10 that I will think, why, why isn't that ahead of, um, sign of the times? Um, but right. you know, again, we've got innovative black artists who changed music. Um, that mm. is a huge part of this newest list. And, and I think, you know, if there is a bias, uh, it's, it's to try and boost some of these up a little bit higher. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I don't yeah. have a problem with it here. I'm sure there will be things that I would have put it, put ahead of it. Um, it was on the old lists, at 93 every time uh, 2003 the book and 2012 okay um so it's it's up so it's still it's, top 100 yeah but kind of doubled its uh its uh, yeah. position i guess um uh so yeah i don't i don't know this was uh, an interesting one um i'm i guess i'm fine with it here yeah i i think i would say something very similar i don't think i have much okay. to add there I've said this before about other albums. I think sometimes I struggle with it because I don't have, I feel like I don't have enough understanding and familiarity with the artist, with the era, with the influence to really say something one way or the other. And I think that the more I would learn, probably the more I would want to say, yes, this is appropriate here. So I'm going to say it's fine now. Um, and of course we're going to struggle with the things we're less familiar with. Um, yeah. And I think that's the biggest part for me is that I, this is just not one I'd ever heard. I have, I don't even think I'd heard of the album. Yeah. Let alone actually listen yeah. to it. I had heard of purple rain, right? but I haven't heard. Yeah, uh, I think me too. Uh, I hadn't heard of this at all. So, uh, but it's, it's, I feel like again, a little high, but I feel like that's out of ignorance and, yeah. um, you know, given everything we talked about, um, maybe it, it really does deserve to be here more than I would even want to admit. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. <laughs> we always like to talk about the artists we're talking about and do they have any more albums on the list? Um, we talked about that Purple Rain, Prince of the Revolution was number eight. We've got Sign of the Times here at 45. Two more albums. Uh, Prince's 1999 album, which came out in 1982, <laughs> is number uh, 130. And then Dirty Mind uh, from 1980 is number 326. Uh, it's funny, 1999 went up, and but Dirty Mind went down about 120 <laughs> spots. So um, interesting. Yeah, so we get to we get to talk about Prince two more times, a little down the road. Uh, but that's it for now. 
we did it, Ben. I was, you know, I'll be honest. I wasn't looking forward to this review, but I'm, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really glad we did it. And actually, yeah. you know what? I'm looking forward to to trying this album out a few more times. Um, I think we learned good. something, which I yeah. think always happens um, oh, yeah. when it's an album we're not too familiar with. And uh, to I'm glad to it. say that I know a little bit more about this one now. <laughs> Well, that'll wrap us up this time. Um, we hope you'll join us again next time. And Ben, uh, this is an album that I know you're familiar with, and I'm getting familiar with it, this would, with it as well. Would you share with us what's coming up next? Yeah, number 46 is an album um, I really like. I, I think probably my dad likes it even more than I do, and probably <laughs> who introduced it to me. Um, but next up is uh, Paul Simon's Graceland album. Um uh, kind of a, a a global journey through world music, um, and and we'll have lots to talk about, I'm sure, on yes. whether or not the uh, cultural appropriation on that album is appropriate or uh, something that maybe he should have done a little differently. But uh, it, it's a it's a good one, I think, uh, and worth talking about for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Ben, for sharing this time with me once again. You bet. Always a pleasure, my friend. And until next time. We hope that all you listening at home, that you continue to stay safe, that you take care of yourselves and those around you, and that you'll join us again next time right here on the Sound Logic Podcast. Bye-bye for now. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our Sound Logic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.